So you were at Disney. What was what it is was. Disney like these days? I haven't been since I was a kid. Um, you know, it's it's uh, interesting. We so my friends are very organized planning people, which is cool mm. because I though I can plan, I'm not planning like them, and so they picked like based on data a week that had fewer kids based on vacation and all that stuff so it was like less busy i think than we could have expected if we went other times and we lucked out weather wise um but you know depending on the park you go to there's some really cool stuff i feel like in the old days what was called mgm studios now called hollywood studios was lame and now it's like the place to be because that's where star wars is that's where the toy story stuff is like there's all sorts of stuff happening there. So we um, we had park hopper tickets. So we went back there twice. Uh, and the nice thing is um, the food and wine festival at Epcot is six months long. So like it's really doesn't really <laughs> count if it's half the year. But that just meant we got to like eat a bunch of cool food. Wait, that's as awesome. As we walked around. Because I never yeah, like it was really fun. I never have been to Disney when I was old enough to partake in such things as wine. Yeah. Legally. You can like drink huh. around if you want. I The thing for me that like. I guess because I I don't I'm trying to think if I've had an op, like an experience like this, but like drinking when I'm surrounded by a large number of children Ooh. feels wrong. Yeah, no that that doesn't sound like a fun time. Yeah, I wasn't for context. I didn't drink at the park because sure. my body decided to have a time, and uh, I was like hydration over everything. Yeah, that's totally. Valid. That's the one thing. It's hot. It's still September. Oh, it yeah. is a hot time. Yeah, Florida's got that lovely, lovely weather in the summer that I I can't stand yeah. personally. So hold on, so lovely. Let's back up. So so your friends did an amazing amount of research. It sounds like where did yeah. they find the data on like when there were? I can kids? ask for you. Like I feel like they should I have make no a idea. website. Like the best time to go to Disney. You know what I mean? Like that's. Oh yeah, I bet you there's there's a whole bunch of like Disney adult blog type things because uh, my friends are not Disney adults. They're just good <laughs> planning people. Oh, that's a thing. Disney adults are a thing. I, I have some friends who are self-proclaimed so and I'm not weird. trying to send offense to them, but uh, they also, there's also like, if you stay at a Disney park hotel, you get access to like early hours or if you're in certain places, mm. late hours. And that's really the way to do it is we had, magic kingdom until like one in the morning one of the days that's kind of fun and legit like did everything in the span of four hours i was like people talk about magic kingdom being a two-day park and i'm like mm, we just crushed it in four not that you should crush things in four but it was kind of great this is hilarious like i i i think when i say that disney adults are weird i don't mean that in a derogatory way because i'm weird and like weird is a cool thing right it's a it's a quirk but like totally i had um i had this boss once who was like the definition of like surly old man like he wasn't <laughs> even that old but he was a surly old man you know and like you know um i remember like every now and then i would see him on the train on the way home and he would like give me a head nod and then just go back to reading his book he was one of those people who's like don't talk to me when we're not at work like leave me alone <laughs> like very not a bad person but just uh, pointy-haired boss you know um and so the thing like but his one thing was he was a disney adult so this is a guy who's got the mickey mouse watch where the arms are pointing at the different times oh the classic the classic he's got a mickey mouse phone case he goes like he used all of his pto every year to go to disney he would go like multiple times a year with his wife and kid um and you know like there would be a 
picture like we'd always be like show us the picture and there'd be a picture of him with his his family wearing the mickey mouse ears but he wasn't smiling he was just surly looking (laughs) but with like the slightest upturn in the corners of his mouth and it was just like hilarious to just imagine him like giggling with glee eating like a mickey mouse ear ice cream bar but just like you know and then coming back to work and being like i don't want to work here (laughs) (laughs) you're like you didn't even smile that much was it really a joy for you sir i mean it's oh but if you get like that's the thing is he'll say no more than like three or four words about personal things but if you get him going about disney it's like it's a lot (laughs) yeah you're like oh you are a human you do have emotions (laughs) yeah we love that everyone needs something and if disney's your thing then fine go for it even though i have yes you know walt disney was a terrible human being doesn't matter we can separate the art from the artist (laughs) yes we can um cool well uh since Ramy's not here today, I have a guest host, Jordan, Hello. who you might uh, remember from previous episodes, and that means I get to do the intro. Wow. I'm Robbie, this is Jordan, and this is I Would Never Know, a podcast. have jordan back again today and jordan is a product human and uh what that means is what jordan what does a product human do (laughs) uh in this moment i a product human (laughs) uh sit somewhere on the product team working with product managers and also doing like user research user experience stuff we're saying this loosely because i work at a startup that's still figuring out how to ux how Mm. to product design how to design research all those things and so um my title as it stands is weird and doesn't mean anything in the design world pm voice of the customer like what Mm. is that and so uh that's why i say product human because (laughs) what is that gobbledygook i i like that you say that your title is weird because that just puts in my head like you holding like the um like a business card a la American Psycho that just says Jordan Berger, weird. <laughs> oh, I want that. How do I get that? I, I, well, I'd name some of the websites that you could get that from, but none of them are sponsoring us. So that's not happening. So I'll DM you. Never mind. I don't need it. Not worth it. It's funny. When I started this job, my mom's like, oh, send me a new business card because she collects the business cards from my jobs. It's very cute. And I was like, they haven't got a business card. That's so funny. <laughs> Somebody like at my office was like, I need a business card. I was like, and my brain did a little thing like a what? Like, why would you need a business card? Yeah, to me, if if you're at a conference or you're like going on site somewhere, then it probably makes sense. Does it though? Because like, I feel like all you have to do is just be like, my name is blank. Look me up on LinkedIn or something like. Oh, that's true. I feel like business cards just become clutter. Some people are into it. I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's an ego thing. 
I feel like maybe it's a it thing. is like here's my business card. But again, that's just the American psycho in me. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? No, no, no. It's fine. We can move on. Um, so, <laughs> you know, like I wanted to I was really excited to get you on today to talk because something that keeps coming up in my my work at a startup and the startup that I advise and just like in general is everyone's like UX kind of became this like really cool thing and everybody's doing it. Um, but nobody knows what the fuck it is. And like, everyone just assumes that UX is just a fancy word for, can you like do some graphic design for me? Uh, (laughs) and I'm sure you have some fairly strong feelings about that, but also like, you know, it's funny product management has been a role for a very long time. Uh, well, long in tech industry um timelines and i think microsoft really set out this really interesting model for it but like even then people don't really know what a product manager does and um my assumption is that they just make you know make me write more documents that's that's my experience (laughs) with product management Uh, but i wanted to talk to you because you seem to know smart things about this Uh, (laughs) apparently so like start off a little bit with like your journey as like how you got into UX and like why. Yeah, sure. So, um, I went to a tiny engineering school for my undergrad. I went to Olin college. Um, I was in the ninth graduating class. So we're talking very new school, not to be confused with Oberlin, which often happens. Sorry. Um, it's okay. (laughs) It's one of my favorite things that happens all the time. For clarity, I Um, totally have talked to Jordan about Olin a million times and yet last weekend I sent her an article about something that happened at Oberlin and she's like oh wow that's cool but not relevant to me at all <laughs> I was like too bad I went to Olin um anyway so I went to I graduated in 2014 and at that time you know user-centered design was kind of a a thing known in graduate school it wasn't really taught in undergrad at that point except that was something that was really kind of unique to Olin at that point we were taking our user-centered design course our sophomore year. And that's kind of what made me realize like, oh, this is something that's really interesting to me. You know, focusing on the human. What are we actually doing? What are the needs? Not just making uh, biomechanical systems just to make them, right? Making them solve real problems. And so when I graduated um, or I was looking for jobs before graduating, I knew that I wanted to learn more about the design process and kind of how it applied to the working world. And was able to land a job as a user experience design associate, I think was my title at the time, on this very large design team. And I say that because you'll, you know, I'm sure we'll get into the size of design team, does size of design team matter? But that team at the time when I joined was about 60 to 80 people. It included separate researchers, separate copywriters, and separate designers. Um, This is important because generalists become a thing over time, but we'll get there. Uh, I spent my first three years working there initially starting as a user experience designer eventually moving into a generalist as the team became all generalists um and then that was cool i realized i loved research because i finally had the chance to do research and uh attempted to not attempted to briefly went to the grad school to learn more about doing good research in healthcare um since then um, i've worked at three other companies uh, in more of a kind of generalist role Uh, so my the first company after grad school was as a product designer 
So again, here's a title change there. Um, then I moved to a place where Robbie and I worked, where I started as a product designer, eventually became a design researcher. Um, again, new terms used to be user research, now is design research. And then I came to where I am now, PM voice of the customer, which really lines up with all of those other titles. Um, but the thing I think that's the common thread across all of these jobs, despite the slight changes, is this kind of experience slash design and that the core is really about the user. There's been a lot of change in kind of the terminology, I think, over the last decade. And that's largely because, as you said, UX has taken off, which is great. Um, it's a lot of different words for the same thing in some core uh old school days and by that i mean when i started my career people heard product design and said oh they must be industrial designer um, but there's been a huge push i would say to to kind of recognize that software is a product too and so product design applies to software as well so the idea being that an industrial designer is going to design something like a vacuum or a I don't know. I'm looking at the things on my desk. A mouse. I was like, wow, a vacuum. I don't know. Yeah, uh, a desk even. A desk, yeah. Like actual physical products. But software is also a, a product. Yes. Very cool. So what would you say you do here? Like what, like, <laughs> I, you know, the like these are all really cool terms. And I think they're like they're definitions, I should say. These are all great definitions. But, you know. If I were to walk up to a random person off the street, play that back and then say, what do you think this person does? They'd be like, can you please leave me alone? I'm trying to get my coffee. Um, yeah, they would. Yeah, especially in Seattle, because you can't talk to people off the street. That's like literally illegal. Um, so what like what does a UX researcher or UX designer? And I, I mean, those are two different things. What do they do? Well, let me take a step back because you said something funny earlier that and you saw me laughing. I think for the folks on the audio, we're on a Zoom and I was giggling um, at my first job. I mentioned I was on a very big design team at its peak, 120 people. There was a company meeting once where the CEO said verbatim, who the fuck is UX? What does that even mean? And so even being on a large UX team where people knew what that was, we made T-shirts, by the way, which probably was bad, but I still have it. Um <laughs> Wait, you made t-shirts <laughs> that said, who the fuck is UX? It said, who the F is UX? We, you know, bleeped it a little. And then on the back, it said, what does that even mean? I love that. It was not an official work-sponsored t-shirt. <laughs> but point being that even companies that have a large presence don't know what it means. And I have trouble explaining it to my friends and family. Um, I like to think of it as we are the people who... I used to say are the voice of the user, but are really the interpreter of the user. Mm. We're the ones trying to understand, you know, who is the person we're making something for? What is their workflow that it's going to be used in? And how do we fit in that workflow seamlessly so that they can do their job better? Um, and so I like to give the example of, you know, my first job was in electronic health records. You know, when you're working in electronic health records and you're someone working front desk at a doctor's office, you're spending your whole day on that software. And so any small change that you make has a huge impact on a person's day. And so as a user researcher, you want to make sure you understand, you know, what does that day look like? How many interruptions are they getting? What are the sort of questions that they have when they go to that software? Um, and that can be done through shadowing a person. It can be done through doing literature review. It could be done through visual or like Zoom based interviews. It's basically what methods can I do to use to learn more about 
this person in their job. So basically when somebody uses software and they're like, who the fuck built this and who did they build it for? Cause they did not build it for a human. Like this doesn't make any sense. Odds are that it was built by a software engineer who's thinking about how the system works under the hood on the back and how the code works. And then they're like, well, we need a button that makes this thing happen. So we'll throw a button and then we need a button that makes that thing happen. So we'll put one just here next to it and we'll, we'll add another button and another button. And, and, and then you have infinite buttons and you have infinite buttons, which feels weird. Horrendous. <laughs> it feels horrendous. Uh, it feels like literally like a, a black mirror episode. Um, so, or like when you say, oh my God, did they actually talk to anybody that actually uses this software? Because I think when I, one of the things I think about is like point of sale systems, right? Um, you know, a software engineer may or may not have ever used a point of sale system in their life. They may not have ever actually worked retail um, or food services where they were a cashier, but they get the job to build something for a cashier. And if they've never actually spoken to somebody who's using a, a point of sale system how are they supposed to know what it's like actually doing that in the day-to-day and so it sounds like what you're saying is that ux is meant to solve that problem of who is this actually built for and why would they build it in this way yeah hypothetically Hypothetically. i mean like any place you need to be in a system that supports that and wants that and is going to listen and take those recommendations um i like i'm a believer that anyone Everyone is a designer. Everyone is a researcher. It's just a matter of if they've used those muscles. And so I feel most successful as a user experience person when my engineering teammates are starting to think like that and starting to say, wait a second, how many clicks is this actually adding? Do we accomplish the goal? Um, Did I actually go off spec and make something that just adds more bugs? Those sort of questions. Um, Then I know that like I've done my job because it's not just about designing something good or researching something well. It's about helping make sure that the team understands why we're doing the things we're doing and can feel empowered to do so. And so you just said designing or researching. And so another thing I want to maybe ask you about is we hear about UX designers and we hear about UX researchers and typically, but not always, those seem to be two different people with maybe two different, but somewhat overlapping skill sets. And so what is a what is a UX designer? Are they just you know making fun logos? I know the answer is no. And what is a UX researcher? Are they just talking to people all day? Yeah, great question. And quite frankly, I've been burned on this before, and you've seen it happen. Um, so I think of both of those roles in context of what I call the double diamond. And maybe we can link to this in the show notes. Um, but essentially, there's a framework that. Uh, is is was common i think it's still kind of common in the design world where you have literally like a, a diamond shape leading into another diamond next to it where you kind of do this diverge converge pattern where the first diverge is around understanding the problem space converging till you understand really what the problem is and then you move into solutioning and narrowing into the solution and so realistically researchers and designers live across both worlds of kind of problem definition and solution solving but they have different roles in different worlds. And so I say typically, and research applies everywhere, but the type of research you do is different. So when I think about a researcher, often they're thinking about that problem space. Um, you know, what are we trying to solve? Designers are going to be involved there. Maybe they're making some mock-ups to help make sure that we're on the right track. 
they're really the person responsible for saying this is this is the solution we're creating. That can be done through, you know, the Figmas, the softwares that make design solutions. It could be through making a paper prototype. It could be making a workflow diagram, right? But designers are the ones ultimately saying this is the thing that we should be creating. Researchers are the ones that are both um, validating the the kind of problem space and also, you know, making sure that the solution is correct. So maybe the designer has made a prototype. The researcher says, okay, great. I'm going to conduct a usability session for you. Um, and you can tune in to the recording or you can tune in live and listen in, but I'm going to moderate this because I am the unbiased person. I did not design this. I don't know if that really defined it well, but that's my, my Sunday afternoon definition. <laughs> I like it. Um, I, when you mentioned the double diamonds, the only thing I could think of was um, the conjoined triangles of success from Silicon Valley. Um, Oh God, I've never seen Silicon Valley, but I've been told that it would be probably very real. It's, it's fairly triggering. Um, I worked in Silicon Valley. I worked in San Francisco and on the peninsula um, in 2012 and 2013. And that was like a very um, interesting time in the tech industry where things were really fucking ridiculous and so every time i would watch like silicon valley i people i'd be watching with are sitting there laughing and i'm just like i think i need a moment (laughs) (laughs) yikes big Uh, yikes but so okay so put bluntly ux designer really just like focuses on taking well let me back up so it feels like the ux researcher is is getting this input is talking to users is using all different types of research methods that are kind of like canonical research methods that are taken from academia almost and bringing it into the tech industry to get data that we can actually utilize to determine what a product should look like and then the ux designers taking that as an input and applying it to the software to make it more usable and better objectively yeah that feels fair okay and and you know it's worth saying that like those are two parts of kind of the design world there are other roles and jobs that kind of if you have the resources will make this more successful right Mm. having a research operations person having a design operations person copywriting is harder than people think it will be (laughs) and so when we you know kind of boil it down to those two that's great but there's all these other logistical parts and and that take time that I don't think people consider when they think about these job roles. Yeah. Uh, rule number one, you mentioned copy design. Never, ever let your software engineers write your copy. <laughs> oh, and yeah. don't let your software engineers write filler copy that's going to be used in user testing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is coming from a software engineer. Like, just don't let us do it. Just don't let us no matter what. I've never been burned by that before. They, you know, they meant <laughs> well, but the user was just like, I don't know what this means. What is this random string of words? <laughs> and you're like, well, good thing this is recorded for FDA review. Am I right, kids? Hey. Um, uh, so yeah. one other thing uh, where I, th- I think that I'm digging out from what you're saying, but also from my own personal experience, um, you know, we think about UI design and UX design, and it's very hard to differentiate the two. So UI is your user interface. That's like you know, what the user is seeing UX is the user's experience. And so the way I like to think about it is that the UI designer will design what a button looks like and maybe even where it goes on the page, right? Or not maybe, but they'll design a button where it goes on the page, what it looks like. The UX designer designs the, what happens when you click that button? What 
like this, like what actually happens, what the button does. And so I think of UX really more as driving this, the, the backend systems design, what the, the engineer that's building the system that you don't see, you know, when I click that button, does it send an email to me? Does it cause this other thing to other button to gray out? Because now I can't, you know, it doesn't make sense for that button to be existing on the page anymore. Um, so it makes the system make sense. And then the UI designers actually, you know, uh, exposing that the effects of that. Yeah, that's fair. I I'm going to tell you right now, I cringe when anyone says like, Oh, we need UI UX. We need UI UX. Like that just makes me physically hurt yeah. inside because it's kind of da- I think dated and it, it kind of el- eliminates like interaction design and copy design and like all the other components that are part of this job or these jobs. I think if you look at kind of the history of this industry, we have, and you know, it depends on the company. We boomeranged a bit from going from very specific. I am an interaction designer. I am mm-hmm. a user interface designer, et cetera, to more broadly. I'm a UX designer. We're seeing again, some more, um, specialization. Like I just said, you know, design researcher versus research operations, et cetera but not in the same way. And so I think when we hear UI, when I hear UI UX, it just feels a little bit dated of a term to me. And now maybe that's going to, I'll hear backlash about that, but um, it simplifies it, I think too much and and does not recognize the overlap between the two. So then, uh, so what you mean is like when somebody refers to a single person as being UI UX. Yes. Okay. So what would you, so you'd rather hear them say we need a UI person and a UX person. No. No. What's what I would, would you hear, rather hear? I, I don't know what it is. I think there's something about the term UI that that gets me ah. because, and that's probably what it, it boils down to is when we're designing, it's not just about the screen, right? It's about the person and it's about what their environment is and like what are the sounds they're hearing, what is the volume around them, who's interrupting their day, and you, like that's not going to be part of UI, and it's going to be part of that person's job. Um, that person being the designer human, the design human. And so that, I think that's why when I hear UI, I'm like, ugh, that only oh. captures a part of what's happening. So you're saying you that like I mean? UI is just one aspect of somebody's job. It shouldn't be somebody's entire job. It's more of like a thing that somebody does within the greater scheme of things. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Uh, that makes sense. You're right. And I might've gone down no, a rabbit hole. No, you're good. It's Sunday. We're doing it. um what the heck it's sunday sunday fun day um so okay you asked a question earlier does size matter um and (laughs) you what i don't know what's funny about that nothing at all why would i make a joke about it Uh, and um you were referring to the size of the ui or sorry the wow see i just did it the ux team um yes so let's talk more about size of company because I think this is really interesting. So I personally believe that UX should be brought on very early. Um, I, with the startups that I advise in my, in every startup is going to be different, but typically within six months of bringing on the first engineering resource. So the people who are actually building the product, I like to bring on a contractor to just, even if it's just for a couple hours a week to do UX, just to make sure that our first customers aren't going to be getting something that is just completely not what they need or want. And so 
I know that other people think, okay, you know, we have pro- a product person, maybe the CEO or whatever, like they can talk to the users. They can, they can probably do this. Um, when, when is, I don't know. And I think you're, you know, obviously you're going to be biased. Um, but I still want to hear your, in your input on if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, should I bring on UX? Is it too soon? What do I need? What would you say to them? I say it's never too soon. Right. Like, and, and we, I say this because you and I have worked together, but to me, a uh, UX person helps you solve problems. That's our core kind of job. Our job is problem solvers. Now, the way we solve them is slightly different, right? If you're a researcher, you're solving them by getting data to show conclusions. If you're a designer, you're solving them by creating a visual artifact or whatever that may be. But we are problem solvers. And so it could be even helping with organizational design for that startup, but that's something that I think UX humans are good at. And so part of what drew me to um, to my third company, the one where I met you, was that I was told the first designer was employee number 13. Um, that is 13 and 14, technically. Um, there were two. But the point is, um, you don't hear that a lot with small companies. Um, you don't hear UX is one of the first comp- like first people hired and design is kind of part early in the process. Now, is that necessarily mean that they're going to be good without design? Not always, right? Mm-hmm. But but recognizing that they say, oh, early on, I, I know this is important. That is very telling. Um, yeah. Okay. I think that's really important. Should I go back to the size question, though? Yeah, let's talk about size. Or you said size of the company. I was I guess there's two parts, right? Like size of the company, size of the design team. Um I, my first job I mentioned when I joined the team was like 60 to 80 designers. Its peak was 120. The company, when I started, was about 3,000 people. When I left, was 5,000 people. So that's a pretty good percentage for design, I think, compared to other companies. The perks of joining such a large design org as a new grad meant that I had so many people to learn from. And I would not trade that experience for anything. There is something so incredible about having that many folks, whether they're on your product or other products you work closely with, but having those folks as a network later in life, but also just in that moment being like, hey, I saw you worked on this project. Help me understand what your process was. Um, the second job I had, I was one, at the peak of that size, one of three or four, maybe five at the most at a company of about 300, but it was purchased by a 50,000 person company. And very different because now you're also talking about being incorporated into a large company. And that's a whole other ball game. Um, right now, the company I'm at is about 150 people. We've had like one person as a formal UX design person, but it's not a formal part of the company. Mm. And so one of the things that I have been doing, whether or not I'm should be, but I believe I should is, you know, creating proposals and saying, Hey, here's the value that this team will bring. Here is why we need it now, or really why you guys needed it a hundred people ago. But let's recognize that we need to do it before we get to a point where we can't uh, really regroup. I think that you just said something really important. One thing that I've been doing, not sure if I should be, if you believe that you should be doing something, you should. And I, I think this is really oh, yeah. important because people you know, one thing that I hear often from people is like, my company is doing X and they should be doing Y and they're dumb because they're not doing Y, but I'm not in leadership. So I can't 
do anything about it. And it's like, maybe look at it this way that you're working at the company. The company literally is you like the the company, like there's 150 people at your company, Jordan, you are one person and everyone else is just one person. So, and without all those one peoples, like if it's just the CEO, the company's now one person and they can't get anything done. The company doesn't exist. And so I think it's really important. And the, and put one other way that I like to, you know, explain to people is like, you're working at this company and you're um, not only getting paid, but you're also getting equity in the company, which means you are a part owner in the company. And when you own something, you have a say, no matter how much you own of it, you should have a say. And so I think it's really important um, to say, you know what, I'm just going to sit down and write out my proposal of why we should do X, Y, and Z. And maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, but that's, you know, just, just, you know, words don't, just speaking about it, just complaining about it, just talking about it doesn't do anything, but actually sitting down and That's writing true. it down does. Spending the 30 minutes to write the four pages or whatever means that it can be shared, yeah. right? It can be uh, discussed and hopefully acted on. So let's pivot a little bit. So yeah, yeah. UX, you make things good and everyone should hire UX people and give them all the money. Great. Great. Yes. Um, the fuck is a product person what, what the fuck is a, <laughs> wait, what, what is a product manager why are they not project managers and what is a product oh owner what about program and managers program managers yeah what are those oh god answer all these <laughs> questions in three minutes go uh i might not be able to do it effectively and we'll need a little assistance that's good because um, this is a typically 75 minute podcast so go for it oh lit all the time in the world just kidding um so I think about product managers as the user experience partners in crime, right? Like we are paired at the hip because a lot of the things that we do and care about overlap. Uh, PMs, when I say PM here, I mean product manager, um, are thinking about, you know, what's the product we're creating, but often with more of a business lens, right? What are the ways we're going to commercialize this? Um, what's the kind of revenue model how do I make sure that all of our ticketing and, and Jira tickets and GitHub or whatever are all good to go and making sure that we are good to actually, you know, have a working scrum team. Um, that's how I think about it as a PM. They are kind of the owning the product side. Uh, ultimately, the, the last decision maker, I guess, when we're coming to product. We, we as designers bring things to them and work with them, but ultimately they make the last call. Um, program managers are just that they manage programs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about it as like you're, let's say you're working on a platform and the platform has a bunch of algorithms. A program manager may be responsible for one of the algorithms and making sure that all the different chickens are not chickens. They're, they're herding cats, right? Their job is like making sure all of the different stakeholders have things are sticking to timelines, right? Making sure the program is successful. Got it. And I guess you could say project is like that too, but this is where I get stuff. What's the difference between program and project? And I was about to say, where do the chickens come into place? Um, well, but I mean, a project, yeah, project manager from my perspective is really just the how, like how, like the pro, the uh, wow, here we go. The product manager decides what we're building. The project manager helps determine how, and it's very often that we don't have project managers because that role is taken over by an engineering resource where they, uh, you know, yes, 
You're right. You're right. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes. Don't let it. Don't say it too much. It'll go to my head. I know. That's why I only said it okay. twice. <laughs> that's why. That's why. You know, this is the problem with Rami not being here. I don't have anybody to keep me down to earth. Um, oh, stop being bright, Robbie. <laughs> and did I fill in the void? Well, yeah, but you also have to stop laughing at my jokes. Uh, <laughs> I, but I can't. Oh, I'm just so funny. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not it. I just think it. I can't stop laughing. How else do I stay happy in this world? Oh, that's that's a different episode. Whoops. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, okay. Anyway, project, program, product. It's a whole bunch of mishmash moosh. Mishmash moosh. I love that. They're all different peas. And like, you know, let's be honest. Every company does it different. They do. They do. And then it's like, hmm. <laughs> this all goes back to you need effective product leadership. You need someone who's going to find a seat, at, have a seat at the table and help speak to the importance of thinking about what's your product vision. Yeah. What's it going to take to get there? I think, I think it's important to, for like people to know what their strengths are. You know, I think something that I really appreciate is when, you know, leadership leadership is like, cause obviously a CEO is going to, I mean, it's, it's unreasonable. It's reasonable for them to say, I, I know what I want to build. I know what I want this product to be, but it's unreasonable for them to be like, Hmm, my product person and my UX researcher just brought me all this data that says that we should be building X, but I really want to build Y. So we're going to build Y and that that's not helpful. And so I think it's, it's really important to have somebody who knows I need to hire somebody to be the voice of the customer. I need to hire somebody to be the voice of the business. I need to hire somebody to be the voice of the technology we're building. And the voice of the customer is UX. The voice of the the business is product. And the voice of the technology is your engineering leader. And yep. let them all go into a room and duke it out. I mean, sit in a room and lovingly discuss what they're going to build together with no conflict whatsoever. Yeah, especially since lately they're all men and all the men do is talk so nicely to one yeah, another. Yeah, isn't it cool that when you have a room full of men, there's no like, you know, nobody's agenda, no agenda nobody's talking over each other, nobody's fighting to be the alpha in the room. It's so great. There's never any takeaways. Isn't it nice? There's no to-do items. <laughs> and no one sticks to what they say they'll do. Uh, action items are important, kids. I'm fine. Yeah, you're doing great. I'm great. You're thriving. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me again tomorrow. Let me just say, coming back from vacation to a bunch of changes. Okay, everyone's always like, man, vacation's great. You need to take vacation. And vacation was great. And I'm always like, man, my vacation's less than a week. Nothing major is going to happen in less than a week. And then it always, it always does. does. It always does. <laughs> I'm like, what does this mean? Should I never leave oh vacation my God. time? My like last vacation, I literally didn't have cell service. Oh, I was God. out in the wilderness and um, I was up in Banff camping and um, I came back and I was like, all right, brace myself. It's time to read my emails and see what does the company still exist? It do does luckily. Um, Good. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Yeah. So going back to product program project, do we think we sufficiently <laughs> describe the differences? Which one's the best of the three? <laughs> Which one's the best? Oh my god, that's that's like. Well, I guess question: Are you really into organization and hunting down people? If yes, project or program management are for you. If you like 
blue sky, messy problem, trying to make everyone happy, but you won't be able to. <laughs> Product managers for you. How's that? <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. I love Thanks. that. I worked on it really hard. Or my grammar is really good. I'm gonna, here's a spicy one. Um, if if you Ooh, if yeah. you have an MBA and you don't know what to do oh. with it, <laughs> project. <laughs> Product managers for you. What? What is with that? I. Like, why does having an MBA make you it qualified? Doesn't. I worked at a corporate innovation lab, and their PMs were people that they took from around the business who just had MBAs. That was like the only qualification, and it was so painful working with them because they were like, "I don't know anything about how a software is built, but I want. I think this is the product that we need to build." And I'm not going to listen to anyone who says otherwise, even if they do research. And I was like, okay. I, so, mm, I was working on a product and it was a pretty cool product. I thought it had legs, right? Um, and corporate innovation labs, you know, like what they do is a lot of things, but one of the things that they do is they'll try to build like startup style products from the ground up that they can then spit into a separate company, which makes money for them. Um, and so that's what we did. We built this product. It was really cool. It was in like the home space. So something that you would use if you were a, a homeowner, uh, it was an app. It was, I thought it was great. And I was the, you know, I was, I was managing the engineers on the project and we had a UX researcher and we had a PM who this was her first, you know, experience, like uh, project really PMing. And she was very passionate about it. And I love that, but she was very like, I know this is my baby. And um, I, through my connections, don't ask how, but I ended up getting a meeting on the calendar with Martha Stewart what? Like, <laughs> wait, no, I wait, don't know if what? Martha Stewart herself was going to be there, if it was just her people. Wait, did you not go to the meeting? You just got the <laughs> wait meeting? For it. Um, the conversation was, do we want to partner and or purchase? So like, would they want to partner with us in building this app or would they want to purchase the app from us? Now, I don't know what you're picturing in your head, but I'm picturing me wearing Gucci slippers and a Fendi Speedo on a yacht with Snoop Dogg and Martha pouring some Dom Perignon. Like I'm envisioning like, let's go. The PM was envisioning her baby being ripped from her arms and canceled the meeting and said, no, I don't. Cause it, cause, cause if we partner with Martha Stewart, she's just going to come in here and tell us how to build this thing. And I'm like, yeah, and she should. She's Martha fucking Stewart. Like, if there's one person who can tell you what to do, especially when it comes to things related to the home, and that you should just listen to, it's Martha Stewart. Um, yeah. Needless to say... What a uh, world. What a world. That sale obviously didn't happen, and uh, I don't think that product even exists anymore, so... Well, you know, you got on Martha's calendar, so that's pretty I got cool. on her calendar. Like, take that at face value. That's uh, one day, pretty awesome. One day. If Martha, if you're listening to this, which you obviously are, 
Let's just just swing swing your yacht by Seattle, pick me up and let's go. Yeah, I want to hang with you and Snoop Dogg because your friendship looks yeah, great. You two are, a big fan. Oh my god, remember that bar in Boston um near Fenway Park? Fool's Errand, I think. That yeah, it's the familiar. one where there's like it's just like a tiny little standing room only bar. And they have like really fancy cocktails and in the bathroom, they just have a massive portrait of Martha and Snoop. Like, you don't remember this? We totally <laughs> went there. No, because I, I, but I like didn't drink before the pandemic for a while. And so I probably didn't go to the bathroom because I wasn't consuming much liquid. <laughs> I like how you, yeah, no, that's You're a good welcome. point. That's, point. Um, that's too bad. I like checking out bathrooms. Literally, cool bathroom. side note, in Disney, we kept like grading all the bathrooms at Disney and picking our favorites. Anyway, Snoop and Martha in the bathroom. It was like one of those cool. pictures like like family portrait style where like she's like got her arms propped up and he's like got his head on her shoulder and it was just like, uh, you two are lovely. What a weird friendship. I'm, I'm so in. Like, yeah, weird friendships are the best. Truly. Like, um... Now you can't no, think of any. Oh, um, who was it? Was it Michelle Obama and um, George W. Bush? Like, are they yeah, friends? They are. And I mean, we still we do not stand George W. Bush at all. That's not the point. No, well, it's like RBG and the other guy on the Supreme Scalia? Court that they like. Yeah, the one where they like the two of them would like go see Broadway plays together in opera. Wait, was it Scalia? Because he's like a bad person. I think was it. It was someone that we then really Scalia, don't like. Yeah as as snowflakes as we are <laughs> i don't think we're the um, snowflakes speaking of well, snowflakes you know I mean. um <laughs> one of our more recent episodes yeah. was the um the union episode where we yes i'm behind and need to listen like everyone else if you're hearing this and haven't listened don't be a bad friend like me listen I to like the podcast you... i have an excuse i, I was at disney true. you don't want to listen to unionization propaganda while you're at disney that's not true. We do want to unionize. unionize. There's one place that needs to hear it. It's Disney. Um, the uh, And I also like how you assume that everyone who listens to this is my friend, which is true. Even if I don't know you, you're my friend. Well, no, I'm saying, yeah, like you're my friend too, person who's listening. <laughs> um, Won't you be my neighbor? So uh, the, uh, you know, the that episode got posted in two different places not by me um by just like listeners um who wanted to promote which if you want to promote please do um and i thought it was really interesting the the difference in response so one uh person sent me a link from hacker news so the y combinator forum uh where somebody had posted it and people were generally like i think one person was like I don't know about unions because X, Y, and Z, but it was still like a, a thoughtful response. And then everyone was like, yeah, you sound like you're a manager um, <laughs> or a CEO. And people were like, yeah, I think, you know, unions have been fairly successful for like, you know, uh, for, for these indus- other trade industries. And so I could see why this would be good, blah, blah, blah. And then somebody posted it to blind. I don't know what that is. So blind is um, it's a, an app where you it's fully anonymous the only identifying factor is you have to use your work email to create your account so it just associates you with the company that you work for but it's like you can't just say oh yeah i work at amazon you have to use your amazon email to to prove it um wow and 
it, people on there are just salty. So one of the, the big memes on there is um, TC or GTFO, which means even no matter what your post is, even if your post is like, hey, what's your favorite place to get dinner near the Amazon campus? Um, you have to list what your total compensation is. Total comp. Yeah. I was like, what is that TC? I'm sitting here like, is it true content? No, it's total, uh, total compensation. compensation. And okay. the idea being that people are obviously going to then um, judge you based on how much money you're making. Um, right. Well, it, it impacts the way you're going to answer the question. Probably. You know, you, you're, you're, you're wording that in like the, oh, it's nice to have that context of, well, you know, some you know people who have lower TC might get dinner at places that are more affordable and and whatever but it's more about people will be like lol you're only at 150 tc like shut the fuck up yeah no it's 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 not it's not a people are so aggressive and i'm too naive to understand it yeah and the comments were just like l like in all caps like lol fuck no get out of here with your sjw union bullshit you snowflake and yeah people were really just like and the funny thing is that and everyone's in there like no it's gonna you know we're gonna have lower salaries because of this or no i don't care about the people who make my food and it's like these are not this is not company like like leadership these are not people making the most money at the companies these are just like average joe schmoes there who are just like man you really you're really buying into what you've been fed uh I was driving behind a car yesterday that had bumper stickers all over it that was like fuck communism and like had an anti-socialism sticker and an all lives matter sticker and I was just like I I don't want to get into a car accident today but I kind of want to all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> we saw a guy when we were at Epcot, he had a Confederate flag tattooed to his leg. Wow. And we just were like uh we're walking yeah, away now that, the, what that immediately brings my mind to is um last time i got a tattoo the shop had a um a saw like uh for cutting like, like a, a hand saw thank you up on the wall and it had painted on it the words uh refund policy oh, <laughs> and that makes me think of that guy's leg oh god <laughs> <laughs> hey oh no oh that's pretty good um it's kind of sad but anyways yeah it's i think that's the core of you know not to circle back to where we started but like part of why i love working in ux right you're working on things for real people and usually these are real people that probably are in a very different space than you right oftentimes very different socioeconomically um different regions of the country like there's such a difference in the things that you end up working on and who they're for and like not to be like i'm making their lives easier like that's not i'm not trying to be like look at me i am like white knighting this shit but i am saying that there's something and you'll i think you'll hear this a lot with design people you know that kind of mission driven trying to make a difference vibe oh yeah and that's probably part of why i'm so naive about like oh that's probably why they have it there because i try to believe the good in the people and and forget that there's so many (laughs) a-holes booty holes (laughs) sorry i took my serious thing and made it weird no that's that's why we love you um there are a lot of booty holes and maybe maybe that's because you're a uxer maybe it's because you're a disney adult 
Maybe it's just because you're a lovely human being who just has a positive nature about you, um, which is great to counteract my surliness that I can have at times. Yeah, see, this is why you and Raimi make a good pair. The two of you can just dig your deep, sad hole. <laughs> and then I show up and I'm like, la, 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 look at how things can be. Oh, now I'm sad because everything is bad in the world. But then I look at this poor guy brought home from Disney and I feel a little better. It is adorable. Uh, that is an adorable little plushie. <laughs> I don't even know what a porg is because I haven't really watched the new Star Wars movies. It's but... episode eight. Yeah, that that shouldn't exist. Um... <laughs> oh, we're not going to get into that now. All right. Okay, so so you're talking about the real people and the real things that you're building it for. And so what I want to, um, the last thing that I wanted to kind of, <clears throat> you know, talk about is you're not a normal UX person. You're a UX person who works in a specified, specif- specialized, specific, specified industry, which is health tech. And um, we've talked about on the last episode, the reasons why health tech calls out to you, but what's it like doing UX, doing product in an industry where a, um, you know, I like to say to, you know, the engineers on my team when I'm like, Hey, it's okay. You don't need to do this over the weekend. We're not ER doctors. That's a little bit different for you. Cause it's like, well, technology is being used by er doctors i i or something like of that sort so a like your you you know your end result is going to have a serious impact on somebody's life but also as a result of that you're not building this in a vacuum you have oversight from the fda um so what how does that change your job yeah it's definitely a different type of different stakes higher stakes depending where in the healthcare space you are right like i mentioned ehr electronic health record where I worked first, if a person can't get into a patient's chart and that patient's in the ER and they need to understand what medications they're on, that's a huge issue. And so when EHRs go down, it's kind of, this is awful. It's very funny to go to like the Facebook pages for those Mm. EHRs and see what people are saying because they don't hold back because they spend their whole day on those softwares and like it makes a difference for patient safety. And I use that term a little loosely here, but patient safety is kind of the most important thing. Um, you were starting your question around kind of like what what is it like working in that industry, in in a specific industry. And I think part of the the and I know I talked about it before, but part of the joy of working in healthcare and health tech is the system is so complex inherently. No matter what part of the system you work in, it is complex. It requires a lot of industry knowledge, and it just changes based on where you go. Right? I've done a little bit of everything from EHR, MRI, CT, pathology, right? Like I've done a little bit of everything. So now I'm uh, slowly building up my puzzle pieces. But, you know, when we're interviewing folks to join teams, one of the things we usually look at is on their resume, you know, what places have they come from? Are they working on products that probably have complex problems? Um, Typically, often, the the saying is like, oh, e-commerce, pretty straightforward a lot of the time not to diss e-commerce but when you think about trying to map out an er floor and putting infusion medications that impact how a pharmacy then delivers the medication that's a very different story and so um i think there's a large component there of understanding kind of what are the implications of what you're doing knowing that you need to understand the space more than you might and it's potentially it's not something that's impacted you personally in the same way, right? Like you could argue everyone buys things, people engage in e-commerce, but not everyone has a stroke, 
right? Not everyone has a colonoscopy all the time. Those sort of things are not day-to-day occurrences for people. And so it does require a different type of empathy and a different level of kind of recognizing you have to be open to learning. When you were saying... I just dissed a whole bunch of people who work in e-commerce. No, no, you didn't. Um, When you First off, when you said not everybody has a colonoscopy, I was about to say, well, people should, but then you said every day. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, people should not do that every day. That doesn't... Yeah, Yeah, I know. I said it was like, that's a weird way to phrase Um, it, but you know. No, I mean, imagine... No, let's not imagine getting a colonoscopy every day. Um, Look, I worked at a health tech company with you, and I remember you and I going to a pathology lab and putting on the little coats and, you know, being like, we're scientists. And, but like walking around the lab and like understanding all the little things that they do and where things could go wrong that could result in uh, an incorrect diagnosis um, for cancer. So something serious. Um, and trying to figure out how we can build software that improves that process and does not make it worse. And that is stressful. And there's a lot there. And I will say, as somebody who was then um, prior to that, and even after that role, have worked, I've worked at um, e-com companies. I did so because, <clears throat> because yeah, like, Ecom is easier. It is. And that's that doesn't mean that like the job is easy. I mean, you still have to navigate office politics. You still have to do stuff. It doesn't mean that the um like what you're building is less valuable. Like, I mean, if you want to talk about like in dollars and cents value, but it's sometimes nice not to think about, not to have to think about like take away the whole life and death thing, but how do I like, what is it, this totally novel problem that I've never, that there's no, I can't Google, right? With e-com, it's usually about the funnel. It's about getting people onto your site, getting them to buy things and being creative about ways to do that. But there's at least some resources out there and you're not trying to reinvent the wheel all the time. And, you know, sometimes that, you know, is, is nice, especially because personally, the things that I like to focus on are the organization that I'm building, like the people that work at the company. And if I'm building something that I know how to build, or at least I have a lot of experience building it and I don't need to, you know, when I was working at that health tech company, I was spending a lot of time researching FDA um, practices and FDA regulations. And that took time away from me being able to coach people and to work directly with the team. And so it's kind of nice to just not have to think about that. So I don't think, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that, yeah, e-com is simpler in some ways. It, it absolutely is. Um, you know, it's. I think it's important to be realistic about what we're building because, again, I can say to my engineers, we're not ER doctors. I can say to my engineers, look, if the website goes down, it's a problem, but let's calmly fix it and let's not make a big deal out of it. You can't say the same if your system is being used to diagnose and treat patients. Right. So, right. you know, it's, it's just a different, uh, it's a different ball game. It's a different ball game. And I, I love playing ball games. I'm a sports Yeah. You know, us sports kids. Oh yeah. We're really good at <laughs> She says ball. that she's dating someone who does sports. Wait, you date a sports person? Yeah. Big baseball fan. Ba- baseball fan or baseball player? Fan, not player. How can you be a baseball fan? 
I don't get. It. I'm sorry. It's so boring. <laughs> don't, I don't. I don't want to open. I've opened this can of worms, and no, I can't take it. No, you don't have to. I will. Look, I grew up in a Yankees family, and I had to go to these Yankees games, and I was miserable. It's they're so long, and there's no nothing happens. Like I can at least go to a, a and as an adult, I can go to a football game. Like, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can, I can get into it. Sure. I can go to a hockey. Oh, I love going to hockey. Sure. I mean, I don't like seek it out, but somebody's like, Hey, I got Bruins tickets. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Baseball. I don't know. I, it just, <laughs> you're, you're cracking up cause you want to comment on this, but you're in. No, I, I enjoy, I am a person who can go to any sports game and get into it. I don't know what it is. There's some, and this is probably like, I love going to music shows because there's something about like being in a group of people excited about a thing. I am so easily swayed and into like, yeah, sports. I don't know what that's about, but like, that's just who I am. And so, you know, get, what do you call that? Concerts. That's the word. (laughs) (laughs) Hey kids, want to go down to the underground music show and huff some marijuanas? (laughs) Oh dear. Oh, is that what they do? Uh, Sometimes I, Wow. Okay, I'm going to hold you to that. And next time I have the opportunity, I am taking you to a metal show. You might not be the first one to take me to one. Oh, that's right. Because, oh. Yeah, we should talk about this offline on the podcast. Oh, oh we're not talking about your love life on the podcast? I mean, we can. It just feels weird. <laughs> you know what's funny? nice? Not dating yeah. at work. Not dating like a coworker, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. This isn't about, this podcast isn't about that, like this episode, but like, PSA, don't bother. <laughs> I've never dated a coworker, but I can't imagine it's an enjoyable experience. I don't know what to say. I did. I literally did have a dream, though, recently that Uh-oh. my wife started like like started working at the company I work at and was my product person. And like. <laughs> As it was i was just like i had this just like really wide-eyed look of i can't argue with my product manager anymore oh no i mean <laughs> maybe it would be good for you in that no then all of the tension is just directed at work instead of home not that there is tension but like if there were you know what i mean uh yeah, I'm going to go with having my wife be my product manager. There's no world in which that's good. <laughs> Let her know <laughs> that sure I said this. <laughs> I, I, well, it's just, again, that's that optimism that we love from you, Jordan. I'm sorry. That's quite all right. Uh, so I, I, I love this. So for the listeners, our lovely Jordan's in a newish relationship. And it's so cute. Look, she's turning red. Yuck. Ugh. Love it. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Uh, it's pretty nice to like have someone who's not in tech be yeah. with you and like want to know what's going on and be supportive while the garbage is going down. So you know, it's so funny. I had that at one point, but now my wife and I are both in tech. Well, nice that you had it at some point. It was. I mean, but it's it, it is also kind of cool because like it's kind of fun. Um, one of the my favorite. Uh, aspects of working from home is that you know we both have um, our own separate offices in our house but they're like right next to each other and so sometimes like I'll be on a meeting and I'll get off the meeting and I'll just be like what the fuck and then my wife will walk in and be like I overheard that what the fuck (laughs) and like we can like both like 
comment on the same thing. Oh my god, I, I love that. That is the nice thing about when I when I lived with roommates. Um, sometimes they'd overhear a meeting and then they'd be like, um, "What?" And now that I work by myself in my house, usually, I I'm just like. I don't have anyone to validate what I'm hearing, oh. but you know, maybe that'll change one day. Who knows? Um, yeah, it's it is it is nice the work from home aspect that like all of a sudden you get to see what your co living person actually does all day. Like that was a thing for me. Um, I just didn't really quite understand, you know, what my wife did all day. Really? And so and well, now I mean, you know. I, like I I understood like to a bit but now that she's in school you know i actually get to like you know sometimes overhear her classes and stuff and that's always interesting that's cute um, i like that yeah it's interesting gross cute gross Ew. cooties relationships are weird yucky <laughs> sorry no why no, am i saying going. sorry so much i think i do we need to do an episode on like not saying sorry we probably do you will probably need a like um, you know, like all those memes that are like, say this instead of this. Oh God. Those are kind of frustrating. They are, but sometimes they're really funny. They, they can be. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm trying to figure out if why I'm saying sorry is that I'm hungry. I think that's also something I've learned as like a human in the working world is often if I'm getting crabby, it might be that I'm hungry. Which maybe is just something everyone should know about themselves and already does, and I'm just behind. Is this is this about to turn into a, an, a, um, a commercial for Snickers? Uh, <laughs> are you sponsored by them? Not yet. Then no. No. Only it's sponsored. I mean, I mean Snickers, if you're listening, I'll do it on spec. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Awesome. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. A pleasure and an honor, as always. Um, we look forward to hearing people's feedback on the episode and thoughts and questions about like, okay, Jordan explained this, but what about this question? Send them in. Uh, our Twitter is, I, I, uh, what is, what is our choice? I W N K pod. Uh, so at I W N K pod, I would never know. Um, and you can also email us, uh, at I would never know pod at gmail.com. Um, if you have things that you want to say that are positive, if you have questions you want to ask, if you have any complaints or issues with anything that we said, um, you can go ahead and just email that to Joe Rogan podcast at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> That's our other email. Um, cool. Well, good night. Bye. May I be blunt with you? If you'd like to write in with any questions you'd like to have answered, topics you'd like covered, or other general nonsense, send Ramey and I an email at IWouldNeverKnowPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Are we doing this again? Oh, we're going to do this again. Are you sure? Oh, and then we're going to do it again and 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 again and